welcome to Compliments to the Chef, Season 1, Episode 1, our very first ep. I'm so excited. So excited. Compliments to the Chef is our foray into a Top Chef companion podcast. So during the regularly airing season, you can expect to hear uh, a weekly recap of the episode, our thoughts. But then during the off season, we're going to be recapping every season of Top Chef that has ever aired in the United States. So we have 20 seasons of content to get through. That's a lot. That's um, a lot. It is. And you might be wondering who we are. Um, my name is Nancy. I'm Bits. And we're just two gals who love Top Chef. We are by no means professional chefs. Absolutely not. I did make Nancy dinner tonight. Yes. But and I am known, known around these parts as the chicken whisperer. Yes. Nancy uh, knows her way around a chick. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, leave, leave the professional stuff for the professionals. Exactly. But what we lack in professional training, we more than make up for in our ability to watch trash television at an alarming rate. Honestly, it is incredible to me what we've been able to accomplish in our lives and the amount of content we've been able to consume. Yeah, the, the limit certainly doesn't exist. And, you know, I think uh, I think it's important to say, you know, season six, why start with season six? Um, I think if you're tuning into this, it's, it's likely that you probably um, are either a Top Chef fan like us for, for, you know, from years past, you stole your Bravo account from your parents. I don't know, however you're watching it in this modern day and age. Um, but you know, the most important thing probably for humanity, uh, in 2024 so far, um, was the release of Top Chef on Netflix. Huge. I mean, makes absolutely no sense considering that Peacock owns the rights to all seasons of Top Chef, but we have been graced by the gods with season six and I believe season 15 uh, uh, I think that's season 10. Oh, oh, that's season 10. Is that long ago? We got to check that. Fact okay, check. well, so there are two seasons. We're certain that one of them is season six. And it is season 15. Okay, and it is season 15. But either way, there are two seasons of Top Chef readily available on Netflix for your streaming pleasure. And so we hope that because most people have Netflix, you'll follow along with us. And if you get really into the pod, who knows? Shout out to Peacock. You might buy a subscription or get a weird torrent. Who knows? But we don't yes. condone that behavior. No, absolutely not. Anyway, so all you need to know about us is we don't know what we're talking about, but we love to talk. <laughs> <laughs> too true, Nance. Too true. <laughs> so we're going to dive right into season six. Welcome to the pod. We can't wait to have you around. Um, and let's just begin. Let's get into it, Nance. I want to start with um, what we're, you know, may may not become a segment here, which is a, a quick fire. Um, so compliments, quick fire is really just focused on immediate kind of burning reactions to the episode that we just watched. Um, tonight, I think obviously it's important to, to kind of maybe center that quick fire reflection on just initial reactions to the chef testants. We've got a house of 17 super talented James Beard nominated nominated not sure if anybody's won <laughs> not sure. they never yeah. win it yeah you know the ones on the show never win um maybe down the line after the show they have yes uh we actually i know for a fact that there are definitely some down the line winners but no one has won the award upon entrance well, to the top chef kitchen so yeah i mean the chef testants we definitely have some 
heavy hitters from what I can tell in Epi 1. I think it's very clear to me that the brothers Voltagi, aka mm-hmm. the Voltagios, yes. um, are excellent and are kind of well-known. I think I can gather that. Um, I also think that it's very clear that Jen Carroll mm-hmm. is a beast. Yes. She's worked for Eric Repair, La Bernadette. She was there when they won their four Michelin stars. So yeah. clearly she knows what she's doing around the kitchen. I think it's also clear that there are some duds in right. the crowd. Well, and it's the, the dud piece is interesting because, you know, and in this early season, there's a lot of like, I wouldn't say resting on laurels, but there's certainly a lot of, you know, who do you work for? Who do you work under? Um, and, you know, not to get into the sort of like arc of the, you know, universe of Top Chef, but over time we start to see a lot more kind of like, I cook my food, I cook what I know, I don't care about like a really buttoned up, you know, coming from a buttoned up kitchen, restaurant. Um, and I think we're starting to see that kind of come in. We've got a lot of representation from Atlanta in the form of Kevin. Um, we've got some Maryland representation. Is there going to be good seafood? Um, Who knows? Curveball know. on that one. The other thing I'll say is clearly in these earlier seasons, like in the later seasons of Top Chef, which again, we won't harp too much on, everyone is a star. Like yes. you're really not getting bottom brass. But yeah. I think in these earlier seasons – you have a probably a 50-50 split of people who are excellent top of the field and people who are kind of just filler. Totally. Um, and I think that we're probably going to see that play out in some very decisive uh, judges' tables early on. Yes. Um, it's We're not going to feel a lot of heart for the people who leave because they might kind of mm-hmm. deserve it. Yeah. Um, not that I could do any better. Well, you know, it's, it's coping. Don't get too attached. <laughs> um, but I think... All in all, my impression of the chef testants in season six are we've got some really top of the pack players mm-hmm. and then a lot of middle of the pack yep. um, fluff. Yes. So I think it's probably going to be easy to tell within season, episodes one through three who's going to be at the end. Yeah. And and I think that like this season more than most, and maybe this is just like, you know, early out energy, um, but there's a lot of like, I'm not here to make friends. Like I'm here to win. And so um, I think it's easy to kind of read into that. Like people coming out of the gate, there's like the people that have that energy and the people that do not. And like, I'm catching myself kind of being like, all right, well, this guy's like out here saying like, oh, this guy's deep frying a steak. Like, guess it was easier than I thought. Like Mike, I'm saying about Hector. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to say. And of course, like we're going to make a lot of blind assumptions because um, why, why, why not? <laughs> Um, but you know, over, you know, in the course of the episodes, um, we'll certainly get a better feel for, you know, each chef's style of cooking, um, you know, what we can expect from their sort of like talking heads and, you know, who's going to talk shit and, um, who's going to, you know, whatever. Um, I feel you. So why don't we, okay. That was pretty high level reactions to the chef distance. Why don't we go into the actual episode? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's talk about arrival day. Arrival day. You know what? This, I love the moment in like early aughts reality TV when like the contestants arrive to the house. Cause there's always a comment about like that, the like McMansion-y house. There's never any rugs <laughs> and there's multiple rooms. It's like, you know, every room has like six sets of bunk beds. Um, <laughs> adults in bunk beds. Adults in bunk beds. They are not sleeping room. well. Not sleeping well. I mean, yeah, I, I can't even imagine. The but. other thing I'll add to the decor of the house, I don't know if you clocked this, the giant photos of food. 
that looked like it was, it was <laughs> lest like, you forget from a subway or like Ron Swanson's office. Like oh there was God. literally a close up of what looked like a Greek salad with like black olives and cherry tomatoes. That's <laughs> like offensive. Dude. It's like a gazebo dressing, like picture exactly but so yeah the house was hilarious also like it's got a slide it's got a slide it's got a slide i think we're gonna see some pool shenanigans i you know what i do love that like this top chef era um really like plays up that weird like you know chef after hours like there's really no drama there and and they still kind of package it for us and like i, I think the pool is going to be very central to like the sort of like b-roll Yes, uh, that experience. is such a good point. The other thing, and I really need to go back and check my history on this because I'm about to make up a version of history, which is from what I remember or recall at the time, Top Chef and Project Runway were both productions of Harvey Weinstein. Oh. I Okay, I need to go on record that I am speaking completely out of my ass right now. That would be a crazy I thing know, to be wrong about. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know for a fact that Harvey Weinstein was involved in Project Runway, and I'm almost certain that he was also involved in Top Chef. On episode two, I'll come back with a okay, little deep dive yeah. on this. But I do know there was some drama at Bravo around keeping either Project Runway or Top Chef because they were both sort of like edging wow. each other out. But in these early seasons, you see a lot of similar treatment of like the drama after hours stuff yeah. in Top Chef as you see in Project Runway. And Project Runway, since they're all like creative designers, there was a lot of meat there. Mm. In the end, there's a lot of drama that happens outside of the workroom in Project Runway. Yes. And Top Chef, they were clearly trying to emulate that. And we do see as seasons go on that that sort of disappears yeah. because they realize that like, we just want to watch these chefs do great work. Like right. we don't care about their interpersonal dynamics. Right. And 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 we're 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 thankful for that. Yeah, because no one needs it, honestly. A pretty good thing. I mean, who would have thought yet another benefit of Harvey Weinstein's downfall? <laughs> that's a that's a huge get. Um so the, right, okay. We got people showing up to the Moving house. Moving on from the house, let's go to the place we all know and love, oh, the Top man. Chef Kitchen, inside the M Grand Resort and Casino. In Las Vegas, Nevada. The the one, the only. The M. The M, to me, looks like a giant shopping mall. I, I can't, uh, I genu genuinely can't confirm or deny if I've actually been in there. I do think this is where I went to a David Guetta pool party for a bachelorette. Um, I, I'll, I'll, that's my fact check mission. I'll come back tomorrow in that. Um, that was gross. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend. I, I, maybe where they're hanging out in the M resort spa and casino uh is gonna be nicer but yeah I, I can in good faith recommend it as a uh, destination i think that so i've only been to vegas once it was with you it was for approximately six hours to pick up a rental car and then drive to utah mm -hmm. with our friends for a trip to zion and bryce yes an epic iconic trip yes um but to me vegas is like this city that cropped up in the middle of nowhere and it's just like to me it feels so claustrophobic like you're just stuck in these large yeah. structures all day in the middle there's nowhere to escape and i couldn't really help but feel that but anyway let's go into the kitchen the kitchen sure. is gorgeous as contestant kevin gillespie says if you can't cook a, cook a good meal in this kitchen then you're not a very good chef they have everything they've got it all and you know beyond that they have like probably one of my favorite maybe one of our favorite um challenges which is the mise en place challenge um, and not only do they have the mise en place challenge, they have the mise en place challenge being judged by Tom Colicchio with a whistle, sporting a soul patch, soul patch, 
and a vest over a purple striped shirt. What a feast for the eyes this outfit was. Absolute feast for the eyes. I think, um, you know, Tom is the the man to watch as far as style goes. Um, pinnacle of style of the times. And when exactly is this season from? Is this, are we talking 2005, 2008? I have no that. idea. We should look that up. That's probably a basic fact we should have looked Definitely up. Definitely a basic fact. Um, but yeah, no, the sartorial choices on that man, we will continue to clock. But this was, the facial hair was a wild choice for him in this era. But okay, the mise en place rally. Honestly, the mise en place every season, it gets my blood pumping. I love it. I love it. And I think, you know, every time this comes up, there is always somebody without fail who ends up being the bitch who gets stuck mise en placing something that they have either never worked with before or they have like a complete opposite um, core expertise of something else on the on the spread. Um, so today that took the form of Preeti and the clams. Uh, the clams. Just heartbreaking. I mean, I know it's one of those things where it's like, if you were in the situation, what would you do? But like, just say you've never done clams before. I feel like she really did her team a disservice. And it was painful watching Tom make these incredibly judgmental faces and eyebrow raises while she's just wrecking herself getting these clams open. It's tough. I mean, and it's tough because, you know, when you're really... When the, when, the, when the challenge is technique, there's nothing to hide behind. Um, it can't be a bad day in the kitchen. It can't be, oh, the oven didn't work. It, it was undersalted. Like, you're very, you're an exposed nerve. Um, and honestly, like, I, I feel bad. Like, that's a, that's a kind of brutal out-of-the-gate challenge. Because usually we'll see this challenge later in mm -hmm. the season. Yep. Um, so, you know, and on top of that, I think going back to the Vegas of it all, we had chips, right? The oh, tokens. yes. And Robin, walking away with the literal golden ticket, um, she didn't have to compete at all, got full uh, immunity. So, you know, and I think um, we have no sense of what she's capable of. She can be incredible or she could be the luckiest girl in the world. Oh, we yeah. have no idea. I mean, I think Mike, I put it well, though, when he said, um, you know, the, the fact basically saying like, it, it says something that Robin didn't kind of throw her hat back in the ring for the 15K, like give back that immunity. Um, and thank God she didn't because like as we get to, you know, well, for her, as we get to the elimination challenge, like, you know, she missed an item on the plate. So that was a strategic decision that paid off in her favor. Yeah. But, you know, I think that from what I recall of this very vaguely of this season, there's a lot of money that gets thrown around by the M resort money, and casino. Yeah. And there are going to be a lot of opportunities for chefs to make that fateful decision, immunity or money. Yeah. And I think they all treat it differently. So yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly, I'm not much of a gambler myself, so I probably would have done what Robin did, but um, I will say she does lose some points in my book for that. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think something about the reaction too of just like, it, 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 I don't know. You know, we'll, we will we'll not psychoanalyze too hard here, but um, you know, great quick fire challenge. I think for me, some standouts visually. I really liked the look of Jennifer's plate. Ooh, um, yes. I think I'm really gonna enjoy uh, revisiting a lot of the like clean, simple, uh, really like. Uh, crisp palette. Um, I think you know she's. Uh, 
she she signals to me as someone who's going to be excellent with fish. Yeah, um, I was going to say something that we're going to need to look out for her because you know she's Eric Repair trained, and he is Liberta Dan. He is like the fish guy, and I think we're going to see a lot of fish from her. But I was borderline appalled by her pronunciation of ceviche as ceviche. Maybe she ran out of time. But she kept saying it over and over uh, again. And it was mortifying. The fact that she's working for Eric Repair, a French chef. Yes. And in a fish restaurant. And she's out here saying ceviche. Yeah. Like niche. Which, by the way, I say niche. But, you know, it's right. it's ceviche. Yeah. We all know it. I could not believe the lack of refinement in her pronunciation there. Maybe yeah. I'm judgmental. But what I will say, I do think it speaks to her character. I like Jen Carroll. She is like a gritty, down yes. and dirty bitch. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. In the reclaiming of the word bitch You way. know what the thought I had was like, she's this, she's the person that you complain to. Like, you can go to her and just like talk shit about anything or anyone. And she's not going to say shit. She might not give you the reaction in the moment that you crave, like the validation of like, oh, I feel this way. But she's going to be like a, um, she's going to be a closed book for you. Um, so yes, yeah, I'm going to enjoy watching her. That is such a good call on yes. her personality. Yeah. She's definitely a force to be reckoned with. I think it was clear that she far and away won the quick fire. And I was very happy to see her walk home with that or come home with that $15,000. She deserved it. Absolutely. Also, I loved, we got to talk about the first of what I believe are many comments from Mike Isabella, this episode about being beaten by a girl. Oh, he's yeah. got some complex about women in the kitchen. What an early aughts thing that yeah. like, I didn't even realize how bad and overt it was when we yeah. were growing up. But the fact that he on national television said girls shouldn't be as good as men. Yeah, I'm pretty sure didn't like Larry Summers, the president of Harvard get like ousted for that a year later. Just crazy that you would be okay saying that. And then you put it on air. Like, yeah, yeah. that's some crazy shit. And I yeah, would... Top Chef chose to air that comment, yeah. which is another wild thing. But love to see her come out on top. I think she's going to be a great competitor. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know what? Let's let's continue this party. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, winning, quick fire, Jen, Jennifer. So, you know, I think whether that's like part of the reason we love her, part of the reason we're excited about her. End of the day, she had a standout dish, um, and so now we uh, now we find ourselves moving along to the elimination challenge. And oh, sorry, before we move on to the elimination challenge, another moment. I don't know if you clocked, but when Jen wins the quick fire, she gives Tom a smackaroo on the cheek. Did you clock that? <laughs> I did not. And he clearly was not expecting it, and he sort of like he lets her. You know, it's like a nice thing to do to like you know kiss the judge or whatever but then he makes this face afterward he's like oh <laughs> <laughs> it's a real awkward. um it, he he grimaces a bit and it was a delightful moment but yeah i think it was the soul patch <laughs> i think she caught the soul patch yeah kissed him right on the patch <laughs> kiss the patch kiss the ring kiss the ring kiss um, the patch well you know what good for them good for the patch mm -hmm. um elimination challenge uh, we get our first guest judge of the season, none other than the Wolfgang Puck. So emotive, so animated, Absolutely. so fun. Um, if uh, for those who uh, don't know, Wolfgang Puck, um, actually uh, acclaimed actor, starred opposite Queen Latifah in the movie The Last Holiday. Um, <laughs> also, 
a chef in real life, <laughs> not just in the movie. Um, no, he's one of our favorite guest judges. I think he's going to be a really good time this season. Um, he's emotive. He's, he's got a, you know, funny sense of humor and a funny way of saying shit. Um, we love so him. Very excited. Very excited for his commentary throughout. Um, so yeah, we have elimination challenge, elimination challenge this week. Uh, cook your vice, get your vice on the plate. Um, what do you think of this prompt? I love it. Um, I love it for a couple reasons. Um, I like that it gives enough of a, um, it gives enough wiggle room for people to interpret it in my estimation badly and for people to be really creative and interpret it in a very cool way. And what I mean when I say interpret it badly is, and we'll get to this once we kind of get to, you know, the, the table side, um, you know, food and tasting and everything, but some people just like the the contortive excuses for how this thing was their vice and like if i had to see one more goddamn plate come out with like booze or alcohol i was Ugh. like really guys like we got a couple procrastinations um i think there was only one procrastination just oh maybe it. there was i thought i know ash ash was procrastination too um okay but i didn't get i didn't get his as much so anyways yeah to back up um I agree. I think it's a great prompt. It's really open-ended so they can come out, make a great first impression. Yes. Um, but yes, leaves room for interpretation, which is what makes it interesting. Yeah. Everyone's being given the same tools um, to create a single plate, I noted. Normally, they would have to create four plates, one for every judge. This, they literally had $150 for a single plate. Oh, you know, I didn't notice that. Which was interesting. And so they really, it was just no holds barred on that plate. And I loved that. Um, I think to get into how people interpreted it. Right out of the gate, Ron is telling us about his vice is trying to forget the time he spent on a boat from Haiti to the United States where some men caught fish. Now, and see, to me, that absolutely reeks of bad producer. You know, I, I think like there's somebody behind the scenes saying, yeah, Ron, like this is the moment, like tell that story. Like that to me just, that was like, you know, early aughts reality TV at its worst. Like let's take this like one, and not to say, not to downplay it all that story because it's an important one. I do think that there was some like contortion act on the part of the producer to say like, yeah, run with that. I think you raise an excellent point right. and that really comes into play on that like, one. Okay. Luckily his dish ended up being delicious. So I think that we can close the book on Ron here. He clearly did a good job. Um, but the other person that really stood out to me here, Jen, Satan. Yeah. Your first impression, you're going Satan. Yeah. And she's not even like, she didn't even say I cook vegan food. Like right. it's not even her food. It's not specific to her. Right. She just comes out right. Like comes out of the gate with Satan. It was a strong choice. Um, I, I think, you know, she sold me a little bit at judges table when she spoke to the fact of like, <laughs> look, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm hot tempered, but I'm good for you. And I think that's an interesting spin, but I would say that there's about a hundred other foods that are way more delicious that are good for me, um, that I would be stuffing that Pocahontas with. That can be spicy. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, you know, some, some, some stories that jumped out to me that I really, really liked. Um, I actually really loved Mike I's interpretation of this one. Um, you know, foul mouth, we see a, a piece of fish on that plate that looks just like a bar of soap. I thought that was super clever and mm -hmm. creative. Um, and I think that that's kind of my, you know, 
note for all of the successful dishes in this elimination challenge, all had like a strong visual reference to the vice. It wasn't just in the flavor. It was in the presentation. It was in the plate. Um, and, and I really loved that. Uh, and it, you know, even knowing him for half an episode, you, you 100% know that that's his vice. He's not some like bullshit, you know, fit the challenge. Yes, completely. (coughs) Whoa, sorry. (coughs) Coughing. Completely agree with that. Um, I really liked him. I really, I'm trying to think through, um, the other dishes that I really liked. Um, one, oh, one that did stand out to me actually, um, was that Brian Voltaggio essentially made the identical dish that he made in the quick fire challenge for oh. the, like almost to the T of the plating. If you put them next to each other, it was a piece of meat with some sort of green puree mm-hmm. and a vegetable. Mm-hmm. And I thought he, to me, seems like a really safe guy. Yes. Like he clearly was the older brother. Yes. The younger brother is a bit more rough and tumble and it pushes the boundaries more. And Brian was the older brother who was just trying to stay out of trouble. And you can tell that from his dash dish. It looks like it was delicious. But um I think honestly his vice is being incredibly boring. Yes. And that's just the truth. It, it is. And you know what? Boring, reliable. It'll be interesting to see how that pays off. I think we may end up seeing a lot of Brian uh, at the judges table on, on, you know, on the top of things. Um, I'll be curious to know how many he's really winning week to week. Yeah. Um, in the same breath, let's talk about Michael Voltaggio who had a very creative interpretation of the challenge, which was plastic surgery, plastic surgery. And you see Tom gave him a good chuckle. He really like, he didn't do the boring alcohol, scotch, bourbon, whatever, you know, which his brother did. Brian Voltaggio yeah. did scotch and a cigar. Yep. Okay, my guy. <laughs> Michael Voltaggio like does this really tongue-in-cheek thing, and I thought it was hilarious. Other thing I have to say about Michael Voltaggio, I cannot get it out of my head. He looks just like Tim Robinson. But oh, like yeah. he looks yes. like a crackhead Tim Robinson. He looks like Tim Robinson's like alt twin brother. Yes. Like, um, you know, Tim Robinson's the funny one. Mike Voltaggio is the un- misunderstood one. Um, I, I will say like, as far as like points to Mike, Mike V on the humor front, absolutely loved the greeting to his brother when they got to the house. Oh, like, he just ribs him for not seeing their mom. Love it. <laughs> Mike V most likely to have dinner with your mom, especially if your name is Brian Baltagio. <laughs> yeah, I really, I just love the brother dynamic. I think it's going to play out super really, I think it's just going to be really fun. It's going to be good. Um, Okay. Let's see. Let's talk about quickly, like, who who didn't we love? Um, you know, we talked about some, like, real standouts, people that took that prompt seriously. Um, I think most obvious coming out of the gate, in my mind at least, and this is really just based on just sort of, like, food trends alone, Lorraine. Coming out with a bacon and donut hole dish to serve to Wolfgang Puck. Like, <laughs> we can have a conversation later about the bacon of it all, because I'm sure this isn't the last time we're going to see bacon this season. I know you have thoughts on that. Um but, you know, I, I just thought, like, really, that's, like, the foot that you're going to put forward. First episode, first reaction, like. And it, and also, it was bad. Yes. Wolfgang Puck literally picked it up and threw it across the room. Yeah, golf ball. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, so my person who really stood out to me as not being great is Eve. Oh, yeah. Her food. Mm-hmm. It looked like this shrimp and cream sauce. It looked like bad wedding food. Yes, I had the same thought I wrote down here. Looks like bad cruise ship food. Yeah. Same, same. It just like 
that sauce really did not impress me as anything interesting. And it also, like, I don't buy that she couldn't find red wine. I'm sure that she couldn't find red wine. But as Kevin says, and I think you're going to learn, I really like Kevin. But, like, as Kevin says, if you can't make something good in that kitchen, you're not a very good chef. No. And clearly she falls into that category on this challenge. She might surprise us, but I was unimpressed. Yeah. No, I, I no notes on that. Um, I, I completely agree. You know, I think as we move into judges table, right? So our first judges table of the season, um, we got some clear standout winners. We'll talk about those in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, on the bottom though, Eve, no surprise. Jen, no surprise. Satan talked about um down there we also have Hector and Jesse with them mm-hmm. um you know Hector mentioned uh excuse me M- Mike I kind of you know made that sly remark about like deep frying a chicken for wolf excuse me steak for Wolfgang Puck fair have to agree have to agree but who knows sometimes you get um chefs in here who are great butchers great with meat can handle like the work their way around a protein um was kind of hoping that would be the case here. Didn't seem like it was. Um, it was not, you know, a, this is crazy enough to work. Like, Yes, I think that is an excellent point. I think that he, in the end, was saved by his creativity and clear, um, like, they, they were like, you know what, maybe he just had a good idea and it wasn't executed well. Yeah. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Whereas, um, okay, and then the last person on the bottom was Jesse, mm-hmm. who was actually on the top during the quick fire, we should note. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, they liked her concept. They're going to give her the benefit of the doubt that she knows how to cook a chicken. Yep. Not as well as the chicken whisperer. Not. No one can cook a chicken like the chicken whisperer. Let's just be honest. Facts. But, um, you know, they're going to let her slide this time because she showed a lot of promise in the quick fire. And um, I agree with them. Yeah. Totally. So really, it's between Eve, wedding food, mm-hmm. and uh, Jen. Jen. The fattest Satan stuffed chili rayano you've ever seen. And, you know, on the gen of it all, I got to say, I think Gail really stole the show. Best quote of the episode. Quote, it wasn't the Satan you didn't like. It was that you didn't cook it in a way that tasted good. Incredible mincing of words. It's like, it wasn't the ingredient. It's that you suck at your job. Right. (laughs) And we actually hear that, like kind of reframed slightly differently by Tom again. Yes, where his direct quote was, and somehow it just wasn't a very good dish. It's like they they themselves are sort of befuddled that yes. she put this in front of them and they have no other way to express it other than the truth. Yes. It just wasn't good. And there is no indication. I actually, I'm curious of your thoughts because as the season goes on, we of course see people on the bottom of judges' table who... Um, take different approaches when they're on the bottom. Mm -hmm. I think there are essentially two paths forward when you're on the bottom. You can take accountability and say, you know what, I made a mistake. Or you can get really defensive and say, that's how I meant for it to be. And she took the defensive route, which I think on the first challenge, and I think that people use it effectively. Like sometimes the judges really want to see you stand by your dish. And other times they want a little contrition. Yeah. And I think at the beginning, showing that you lack that accountability does not put you in their category as potential for top chef. I think a top chef is someone who, of course, is an excellent chef, but also is a leader. Yep. And is going to be the next big leader in the food world. And I think on your first challenge, being defensive, being unwilling to take responsibility just shows that you're not in that category of top chef from a pure behavioral standpoint. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, I think it's like a game of deposits and withdrawals and, you know, she withdrew too soon. Yeah, she had nothing in the bank. Yeah, that's for sure. And she cashed a fat check on the, with that fat chili ran. I'm never going to get over how ugly it looks. She rode away of her tush couldn't cash. Um, <laughs> and for that reason, you know, she Farewell. had to pack her knives yeah. and go. Jen, pack your knives and go. Now that we've made it through the whole episode of episode one, I think we're feeling it was a bit of a catharsis for me to really let that out. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you're feeling. But for a little special segment for this first episode of the season, and I think we'll do this for every episode, is we sort of want to make some predictions about how the season is going to go. And these are categories that we've thought of that we think are a little silly, a little fun. And our listeners at home, please feel free to play along, you know, keep your own list. We're not, there are no points here. It's just fun to see yes. where these predictions net out. We um, we should also say for, for folks who've watched Top Chef before, some of these will probably be, uh, will resonate or you'll, you'll notice certain things. Um, there's a little inside baseball here, but then there's, baseball. but I think that we can all have a little fun with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's kick it off, Nance. Um, first, uh, first category that we're going to be kind of awarding early predictions to, um, most likely to make a risotto. Um, so <laughs> So for those who are just tuning in for the first time, and this is the first episode they've ever seen, risotto is the cursed dish on Top Chef. You have an almost 100% chance of going home if you make a risotto. Yep. Tom is incredibly particular about his risotto. And every season, there's one person brazen enough to try and they... I really think nine out of 10 times go home. I, I think those, the I like those numbers and that I don't like them. Um, so who's your pick for most likely to make a risotto? Most likely to make a risotto. I, this might be out of left field, but I actually went with Ashley. Okay. Um, my thinking there is that I, I think she, she presents to me as like a very cool, confident chef. So she's somebody that's not going to get overwhelmed at like the sort of curse of it all. She's going to be somebody who like maybe makes a very interesting kind of like riff on a risotto. Maybe she's using different ingredients. Um, I think she's going to be that like right kind of altitude of brazenness to kind of come in and give it a shot. Um, whether she has the sort of skill to back it up or whether it's going to be a, an extremely like touch and go situation, I'll be excited to to see. Um, but yeah, my, my pick's Ashley. How about you? Okay. I took the exact opposite logic here. But ironically, similar name. My pick is Ash, who is the gay guy, self-proclaimed gay guy from yep. New York. Um, and the reason why I pick him is because he, to me, seems like he has a bit, he feels like he has something to prove, being the mm -hmm. only New York chef. He said that himself. And New York being you know, a food mecca, he feels like he should be a cut above the rest. And I think he's going to be sort of middle of the pack. It's going to drive him a little crazy. And he's going to act out. He's going to do something very irrational, like, make a risotto because yeah. he thinks it's going to win him points. And I think he's going to mess it up. Yeah. And I think he's going to go home making that risotto because it was an act of desperation that did not, you know, pan out in his favor. I, I like that. Um, I think those are fair. Mm -hmm. All right. I think, uh, next up. Okay. This, there's always one each season, most likely to make the same dish multiple times and get called out for it. Who are you thinking on this? I'm thinking Eli. He has, for literally no other reason than he's got a weird energy to him. <laughs> I think he's going to make And we, do, we don't know yet if he's a good sicko or a bad sicko. Yeah, he, yes, he's definitely a certified sicko, but we don't know if it's yeah, for good yeah. or for evil. We wait with bated breath. Yes. 
And that's, that's all I have to say and about that's that. that's it. I mean, fair enough. I, I think, you know, I went in the direction of like, to me, Kevin comes out of the gate with a really strong kind of like sense of uh, self as a chef. You know, he's an Atlanta-based chef. He's a Southern chef. I think we're going to see that take the form of like making very regionally specific food for each challenge. Um, and so... Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. You know, I think this this episode, you know, we didn't talk about his elimination challenge dish or, but um, he was on the top. He won. He was he was the winner of the challenge. He was the winner. We forgot. We that didn't part. even talk about him. But yeah, he made an excellent dish. I think, and this is a strain from the current task at hand. I think he's a sleeper giant. I think yeah. people underestimate him because his appearance perhaps is a bit slovenly, and he's from the south. But I think he is a top tier chef and people are going to sleep on him. Yeah. No, I, you know what? That, that's a different category. He's a sleeping dragon. He's yeah. a sleeping, whatever is like a animal from the South. Sleeping beauty. Sleeping. <laughs> he's a it. sleeping beauty. He's we a should have that gator. category. Sleeping beauty. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Next up. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, Cause as you'll find, um, you know, they're week over week chefs arrive to the judges table and it is not a compounding performance situation. Like you show up and the, the plate you cook that week is the plate you're judged on. No other sort of like factors come into that. Not how well you did last week or the week before. So this category uh, is, is sort of reflective of that. So um, most likely to be the one somehow still in it, much to the other chef's annoyance. Um, and this always without fail happens every season. There's one hanger on, there's one hanging Chad. Um, for me, a reference, a hanging chat is a great reference from this era, by the way. Oh, it is. That's so true. Um, you know, what is this? Gore 2000? Um, yeah. And we don't know what year this, this season aired famously, famously. but, um, clearly it was around this time. Okay. So who's your pick? My pick, uh, Eve. Yeah. You know, I great. think, uh, we don't have to beat a dead horse here. We don't have to beat a dead, uh, pile of shrimp. But um, I think she's just somebody who's like going to be bad, but never bad enough to go home. Um, but how about you? What are you thinking here? I'm thinking Jesse for that exact same reason. Hmm, I think she yep. had a, I think her strong performance in the quick fire is a red herring. But yeah. I think it's going, you know, she's going to hang on longer because she just had a good day that first yeah. day. And that's going to, you know, keep her in. I love that. Okay. The next one. Uh... <laughs> This is a good one. Uh, most likely to fuck up front of house during restaurant wars. Now, front of house is another cursed position on on uh, Top Chef. Restaurant Wars, an iconic episode. Mm -hmm. And I think that someone always goes home for forgetting that front of house is important. So my pick for this, Hector. Interesting. I think talk, that, talk to me about that. I think that Hector in his life is a personable guy. You know, he's got the Latin flair. Like, I think he's got a bit of charisma. Right. He even talked about cooking with cojones. Uh -huh. And so I think he's the type of guy who might either raise his hand or be voluntold to do front of house and he'll get flustered by the whole experience. And that charismatic part of his personality will shut down and he's going to have like sweaty hands and be weird. <laughs> <laughs> that That's astute. I, I could see that. Um, I actually went maybe um... – maybe read too much into performance this episode, I actually picked Preeti for this. Oh. Um, my thinking here was, you know, 
she really sort of like demurred on the like inability to shuck clams and never shuck clams. And that's really where people get fucked over by front of house, uh, excuse me, restaurant wars and get stuck in front of house. There's usually like two camps of people. Either it's like, I've opened restaurants, I'm comfortable in the front of house. I volunteer, put me out there. Or it's like the sort of bitch in the kitchen who's just like, I'll do it. And, you know, no offense. And this has nothing to do with, you know, gender here. But I think that that uh, for me in this chef testing cast is pretty. I think that's a really solid point. Okay, next up, a classic. Most likely to have immunity and still go home. Oh, God. I mean, this one for me is easy. This is Robin. Oh, my God, me too. Yeah. I mean, she did it. Yeah, She she had immunity and she made a shitty dish. I mean, we couldn't ignore that, right? Like, this is a hard one to, to think about really anybody else, right? She gives up that. She keeps immunity. She gives up the opportunity to get 15K. She doesn't get the sauce on the plate, which is like, really a cardinal sin. It's like incorrectly cooking the protein and not getting a sauce on the plate is like really going to n- not fare well for you. Yep. Completely agree. All right. So this might be, you know, <laughs> the year was maybe t- 2005. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> All we know is Me Too is, you know, a decade and a half away. Um, not even a flicker in our eye. Not even a flicker. Women can't outcook men in the kitchen, apparently. These are dark times for women in reality TV. And so this category is really kind of a, a nod to that. Um, most likely to say something lewd or inappropriate about Padma. Who do you have here? <laughs> I have the guy who said something lewd and inappropriate, Mike <laughs> Isabella. Yeah. Part of me is wondering, did we make this... With him in mind. With him in mind. Maybe we did. I mean, I there's think always this, one. You know, and this is a good moment. I think we should just kind of acknowledge, like, Mike, I, there's, there's, you know, we're going to do our best to to not look at the chefs and where are they now? Because we'd like to kind of like explore that in real time with you guys as we rewatch. Mm-hmm. But just a note, Mike, I, up to a lot of no good IRL. Um, we're going to try to like acknowledge that he was kind of a complete asshole um, you know, read up on that. Try to not spoil it for yourself. Just know that, like, when we commentate on him as a chef testant, like, we're kind of separating the man from the plate, um, for better or worse. But yeah, he, he's he's a bit of a dickhead for sure. <laughs> okay, so next up, and we saw it happen this episode. Uh, most likely to forget something on the plate. Oh God! I picked Preeti for the exact reason why you said she'd fuck up front of house. Uh-huh. I think she just doesn't have all her ducks in a row. And I think that she's a bit passive. Yeah. I, I put Jesse for the same reason. Um, you know, she didn't forget something on the plate per se this episode. She did forget to leave the chicken in the braising um, uh, set up. So yeah, that, that that's, I think I'm, I'm happy with both of our answers here. Love it. Okay. Next up, and this, there's always one each season again, most likely to miss a major life event that's happening outside the show to be on the show. Oh yeah. And either get really distracted by it or have it empower them. It can, it can either be someone's superpower or their downfall, but regardless, every season there's one person. Mm-hmm. And for me on this one, I picked Ashley. Interesting. Just cause she strikes me as a type of woman who has a very private, private life. Mm-hmm. And I bet you anything, there's some big thing that she's missing outside of the show. That's very, uh, that's, that's a, I like that pick. Um, you know, initially when I was kind of like thinking about this as, as I was watching before we got to judges table, I, I had Jen here. Um, obviously I want to, you know, not move forward to that. She went home this episode. Doesn't make sense. So, um, I'm going to quickly pivot and actually just throw out, let's see. Um, 
Can I can I double up on Robin? Like I think yeah. Robin's just she's an oversharer. She did say in her intro in the credits that she had cancer, so maybe there's something there. She's certainly an empath, right? So I think we're going to hear a lot of her emotions. Um, she's going to wear her heart on her sleeve, mm-hmm. uh, probably to the chef's um, frustration. Um, but yeah, no, I, I uh, let's see how that goes. Um, okay, next up we have most likely to describe their dish as Asian. Now, this is, again, we don't know what year this season was, but <laughs> it was definitely in the time period of Asian fusion, oh, which is essentially just anything cooked with soy sauce. Yes. And um, I think we're going to see a lot of this this season. And I'm going with Ron. And the reason why I'm picking Ron is because, and you, I will say you defended him very well, and I take that into consideration, but... He had a wild misinterpretation of the challenge. That's true. And so I think that there's going to be some challenge where he's like, it's Asian. And it's just not going to be Asian. I think that, oh, I, I really like that logic, actually. Um, I think it's, again, like very difficult. I think there's some chefs, and we know this, that are exceptional chefs. They're just not top chef chefs. They're not built for sort of the stress, the environment, the weirdness of the themes the and the competition. Yeah, so... I, I get that for sure. Um, my pick here was actually maybe uh, surprisingly Mike Voltaggio. Oh, um, he's a bit of a snob. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. And I think he would use it in a he, – he would like weaponize it and and I think now would probably look back and be like, wow, I can't believe I just generalized like an entire, you know, uh, cuisine with like a continent. Um, but yeah, that that's going to be my pick. And especially because we actually have no Asian American or Asian chef representation here, I believe, aside from Preeti. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's going to be interesting to watch play out. Um, last one, last one. I actually really love this one. Um, and I'm glad we saved it for last because, uh, so, so this one is most likely to cook like shit for a while and then have a mid season epiphany about needing to cook their own food. Um, (laughs) so, so this might like feel really, really specific, but I swear to God, it happens every season. There's some chef who's cooking like Eric Ruppert or cooking like whatever chef they learned under. And they get to about episode, like maybe right before Restaurant Wars, right before we were done at Contestants, and they're realizing like, I know how I need to cook. Like, this is my style. Um, For me, uh, I don't know why I really went with this. I I picked Ash. And the reason I picked it, because I was like, I felt like he had this chip on his shoulder about New York to me, he doesn't strike me as a chef that has like a very obvious um, style or like, um, yeah, like just just inspiration or calling or, or I don't know enough about his food yet. And I think he's somebody that's going to sort of be forced to kind of reckon with what his style is in a way that I think some other chefs are, are sort of coming with and knowing like a Kevin or like a Jennifer or like a Mike Voltaggio. Um, I think that's a great call. For me, my pick here is Laureen. Mm-hmm. She had that whack-ass like donut bacon thing. And I think she's going to like flounder a bit at the beginning and she's going to have one standout week. Yeah. And it's going to be a turning point for her. Yeah. Um, no real other commentary besides that. I, I dig that. I, I... Yeah. So these are our predictions for the season. I'm very excited to see how they play out. As people get eliminated, we will cross-reference them with this list. Um, but speaking of eliminations, there are two things we're going to do whenever anyone gets eliminated. First thing we're going to do is talk about the dish that they cooked to get them eliminated in a segment we called, Would You Eat That? Would You Eat That? So Bits. What's her name again? Jen. Oh, Jen's Chili Relleno. 
Would you eat that? Um, you know what I would? I would eat it out of just curiosity. What a crazy, what a crazy like cacophony of flavor and texture and weirdness on that plate. I'm a weird like texture person. I kind of like strange mouthfeel. So I'm kind of into the seitan. Um, but you know what? I'm taking a couple bites and then I'm, I'm setting it aside. How about you? Um, I'm a hard no on okay. this. I thought, first off, I don't mess around with seitan. Um, I do not. And I'll be the first one to cop to that. But I thought the whole thing just looked gross. Yeah. Her like oddly mauve sauce underneath it. The breading on the outside was like inconsistent kind of like and patchy. Off. Yeah. Yes. Like the whole thing to me just read absolutely no. Yeah. And so for that, I would not eat that. Okay. And the next thing we're going to do whenever anyone gets eliminated is see where are they now. Mm. So okay. I have pulled up Jen's uh, Instagram, Jen Zavala. And here's what we have found. First off, her handle is Foxy Lady Chef, all one word. Um, I'm going to follow her from the compliments to the chef Instagram account, which all of you should follow and our TikTok. Smash that button. Smash that like, reply, follow. Um, okay, Jen Zavala. First, she has a story up. It's a meme um, of like kitchen humor. I'm not even going to explain. I, I didn't laugh out loud. Um, <coughs> she has a lot of, um, she describes herself. Okay, here's her bio. Chef, doctors say I'm the illest because I suffer from the realness, which I think is a quote from yes. some rap. Yes. I guess I can Google that. She has a Mexican flag. Um, and then she, her, her the bio continues to say Mexican girl, cannabis chef, top chef alum number six, trap Selena Juana Matavale, which I think is her um, restaurant, and then host of the 86ers 215, which appears to be a podcast um, about all things food and kitchen culture. Okay, so she's still clearly a chef. Scrolling through, she did mention her son in the first episode, so let's see if we can find anything what he is up to. Um, her son appears to have attended prom. Amazing. <laughs> so that should tell us a little bit about the time. Yes. His son, her son, um, appears she also has a daughter who got into Penn State. Nice. Which is great because she did talk about wanting her kids to go to whatever college they want. And it must be, I really that's think that pretty awesome. sending your kid to college must be one of the greatest accomplishments. Wow, that's pretty cool. My whole family went to Penn State. So go, uh, go Nittany Lions, I guess. Go Lions, you said? Nittany Lions. Nittany Lions. It's like a, it's like a kind of mountain lion, but there's no mountains. I guess that's a great question, actually. Hmm. Okay, and then the last thing I'll say is she definitely still has the gauges. Are they bigger? I think they're they're kind of as big as they can get. Yeah, that's true. Um, already, but yeah, she has still has the gauges, has a few face tattoos that have been added to the mix. Um, but in all, she seems to be very happy and. For that, we are happy for her. I love it. I love to hear that. I think it's great to just see people thriving. I mean, years later, decade plus. Um, <laughs> we don't know what year this show knows? was filmed. <laughs> We're in a literal time capsule. Um, okay, so now this brings us to our final segment. Bits, do you want to introduce it? Yes. Um, so 
we're going to try this thing. We're going to round out each episode with our own sort of judges table. Um, and what we mean by that is it's really just like a minute for Nancy and I each to kind of take a moment, rant about one thing that we just want to pass a ton of judgment on that maybe happened this episode. Uh, could be a plate, could be an interaction, could be a, you know, a judge exchange, etc. cetera. Um, but, but this is judges table. So Nancy, what are you bringing to judges table tonight? Okay. I'm going to start the clock for one minute. I'm going to let you track it. Tell me when I have 30 seconds left. This is Nancy's judges table and begin. Laureen bacon on everything. Oh, God. This again, no idea what year this was filmed, but this is clearly the era of bacon on everything bacon mixed with sweet things like i remember when bacon came into dessert it was seen as this very like edgy and cool thing and it just exploded we had bacon maple donuts which we had this episode bacon with brussels sprouts this is also oh. the era of the advent of the brussels sprout oh, and it was because like it was essentially like put bacon on it and it was seen as this like really sort of low brow thing that can be incorporated into something highbrow and people really thought they were doing something creative when really they were just putting bacon on it. And this is a trend that I think took way too long to die. We never really saw the end of it. I myself as a not huge bacon eater, never really felt seen by this trend, but I think we're going to see a lot of bacon on everything this season. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, I completely agree. What a moment for bacon. Um, I mean, geez. Big Pig had a field day big, in the early aughts. Pig. Yo, Big Pig left no crumbs in the early aughts, that's for sure. Okay, so this is Bits's Judge's Table. Your one minute starts now. Judge's Table. Um, the way that female chefs are portrayed during this time, you know, and I'm thinking back and I'm playing back a lot of the commentary that even us in the last, you know, 45 minutes have talked about. I really hate the way that every female shows up as sort of like a demure acquiesce to kind of the like male machado, like I'm the guy, like tough energy. You know, I think that there's something and I don't know if it's like the casting of this or what, but like I just am craving like a strong female personality this season and like a little bit of texture. I feel like a lot of the sort of like milk toast chefs we're seeing happen to be female. And I don't know if that's by design. And I don't know if that's like just kind of luck of the draw, but that really fucking pisses me off. I mean, I, I think that's what makes me really excited for Jen um, because she is like the spine, right? Like she said it herself. She like can beat up boys, whatever. Like that's kind of a crazy way to put it. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my judges table for this week. I think that is so astute. I think Jen Carroll means business. And I actually Probably really does. do think she could beat someone up. She is gritty. And I mean, she's from Philly, so shout out Greedy, best mascot in the NHL. Um, and I really, I agree with you on this. I think it was such a weird time for women in all industries, specifically on reality TV. We had these odd stereotypes and we really just, it's amazing to see how far we've come. Yeah. In the portrayal that. of women. All right, so that brings us to the end of our episode. This is so exciting. Very exciting. I can't believe it. Um, first episode in the books. Uh, we, as mentioned, will be back next week. Um, we are along for this ride with you. We hope that we've con convinced you to keep on keeping on with the Top Chef world. Um, and season six, episode two, we'll see you next week. Compliments to the chef.